And so that's in John 12. And, uh, and they sang, Hosanna, Hosanna, as they, as they waved the palms. In worship, it became, a, it became a statement of praise. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means save, save. But it became a kind of like saying, praise you, God, praise you. And it, and it, was, a, it was worship as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, proclaiming him to be the Messiah. We are in a series that we're calling Dimensions of Wholeness, and it's Resurrection Living. Easter's next week, and that's when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, where he defeated hell, he defeated death, and was the first to be resurrected like all of us who put our faith and trust in Christ and his death will also be resurrected. Thank you so much, sir. Easter. And because of his resurrection, we can experience full, complete wholeness in Christ, where all the broken pieces, all the uh, emptiness, all the all the, the missing pieces are all put back together and, and supercharged and filled with completeness. Worship, like the people worship Jesus at the triumphal entry, is what we're made for. We are made for worship. Worship is the natural response when you recognize divinity. We're all created to worship. Uh, Bob Dylan, when he got saved, he said, you're going to serve somebody, right? It may be the devil and it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. I know it makes everybody cry. <laughs> Scott tries to do Bob Dylan. Um, we're going to worship somebody. It is a natural bent of humanity to worship. Let me, let me show this to you. In, in Genesis... Okay, in, in the book of Genesis, um, it is in Genesis 1, you know the creation story. And, uh, and it says, uh, on the first day, uh, he created, he said, let there be light. Okay, in other words, let there be energy. And I looked it up, and energy and mass are, are very related. You know, I think if you slow down energy, you have mass. I'm not sure if that's really true, but they're re very related. And mass contains energy. And so he said, let there be all this stuff. Let there be the, the building blocks of, of the universe. Let there be light. And, and then he said, uh, let there be day, and we're going to ce celebrate it. And let there be night. Okay, so he, then he created day and night. Uh, then he created the, uh, he, he separated the expanse. And so he, he created the sky. Uh, and he separated the sky from the land, uh, and he created the land and sea down here, all right? And then, uh, and then he created the, the, the vegetation. Let there be vegetation. And then, he, uh, and then he created the sun, moon, and stars. And I'm not sure if I got these all in the right order now because I didn't number them. <laughs> and then he said the fish and the birds. And then it was the animals on the land, land animals. And then finally was what? Mankind. And he said, let us make man in our image. Image of God. And so kind of starts up here. And he goes back and forth down here until finally there's an intersection you could say between the transcendent and the earthly and it centers right in on man and mankind the human heart is the one place where the eternal and the temporal intersect okay you are capable of experiencing two worlds. 
You are capable of experiencing the three-dimensional world of Earth. Okay, you can feel it right now. You feel the temperature in the air. You feel the, the seat that you're sitting on, the clothes that are touching you, the smell that's in the room. I don't know what that smell is. <laughs> right? You can hear what's going on. Right? But you're also able to sense the Spirit of God and connect with the heavenly and, and exist in a fourth dimension. Okay? Um, Paul described it as the seventh heaven. Okay? You're able to exist in two dimensions or two worlds. All right? Not two dimensions, but two worlds. And so the human heart is, is that intersection. And so you were made to connect. And, and if you don't connect with God and the Spirit, and you're only earthbound, you're not whole. Wholeness comes through a full and complete experience of God. You were made to worship. That's what worship is. It's connecting with God in his transcendent, loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, uh, experiencing him, knowing him, uh, being filled with him, uh, adoring him, having his spirit flow through you. The Holy Spirit is, the, uh, is that energy that comes into you. Okay, It's the presence of God. It's the presence of Jesus. So worship is a natural response to divinity and mankind will naturally look for something or someone to worship. Who was it that said, every human heart has a God-shaped void inside? You can look that up. Every human heart has a God-shaped void. In other words, if you were putting together a puzzle and you had this great big piece in the middle, it, it, only one piece could go into that puzzle. It was the piece that was made for, for that, that space right there. In order to make the puzzle complete and whole, you have to have that piece. And, God, and uh, this quote says that every person has a God-shaped piece that's missing inside. And it can only be filled with God. And so until it's filled with God, you don't have wholeness. And so we're talking about coming alongside people and walking with them toward wholeness in Christ. That's our mission. Coming alongside people, come alongside people and walk with them toward wholeness in Christ. Does anybody remember that from a couple of weeks ago? Our refocus message. We're, gonna, we're trying to laser focus on our mission of coming alongside people and walking with them toward wholeness in Christ. Okay, could you say it with me? Uh, not coming, but come, to come alongside people and walk with them toward wholeness in Christ. Ready, begin. To come alongside people and walk with them toward wholeness in Christ. That's who we are as a church. That's what we want to do. And we're going to have a retreat in May. If you're interested, I would like you to be a part of it. If you're engaged in the church and you're a regular part of it, I would like you to be a part of this retreat. It'll be a Friday night, Saturday kind of thing. Uh, we'll just come in here, work. It'll be a working retreat. And we're going to work on focusing. We'll come in here, go home and sleep, come back. Okay. <laughs> we're going to work on focusing our, our ministry, our church effort on that mission so that we actually do come alongside people and walk with them toward this thing called wholeness in Christ. And last week, Pastor Liz uh, gave us a great outline of wholeness in Christ. And it had five dimensions. Upward wholeness, inward wholeness, outward wholeness, backward wholeness, and forward wholeness. And I just love that. If we're going to come alongside people and walk with them toward wholeness in Christ, what are we going to come alongside them toward? What are we going to walk with them toward? Where are we going with them? We want them to experience upward wholeness, first of all, because that's where it all begins, and that's what we're talking about today. But then we want to walk with them toward inward wholeness, where God heals the inner person and helps us to know who we are, our identity in Christ, and puts those people, uh, pieces back together. He wants to help us. We need to walk with people toward outward wholeness, where we learn to forgive and to relate and to have community 
with other people. We need to learn to have backward wholeness where we put the past into perspective and God heals us of our history. Okay, we need to have forward wholeness where the anxieties of the future and the dread of the future is banished by the love of God and, and we are confidently hopeful as we move forward. That is the wholeness that we as a church body and as individual word of hopians want to come alongside people and walk with them toward. The first is upward wholeness and upward wholeness is accomplished through worship. You're going to worship somebody and you have that God-shaped void. And if it's not filled with God, you're going to try to fill it with something else. This is what happens a hundred percent of the time. If it's not filled with God, it will try, the attempt will be made to fill the void with something else. And it's going to be something about the kingdom of me, probably my own ego, my own, my own self pleasure, indulgence, or whatever. Uh, St. Augustine said this, every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is in search of God. Knock, knock, knock. Hey there, sailor. <laughs> is God here? We don't have any ladies named God here. We got Godiva, she's here. No, and, and, but that's really true. We're trying to fill that void with something other than God, some idol. That's what idolatry is all about. And so you're going to worship something. And if you don't find God, you're going to worship yourself or you're going to worship something that reflects you. Um, why is it that we are going to worship? Not only because we are made and get the image of God and with this, uh, this two-world experience that we need to be whole. It's because wholeness or worship is the pathway to wholeness. Worship is the pathway to wholeness. The reason that we seek to worship something to put something on the throne of our life, to fill up that, that, that hole in our heart uh, is because worship is the pathway to wholeness. Okay, living a life of worship, living a life of, of centering my heart and my mind and my consciousness and my, and my, uh, my reaching for transcendence on something or someone is an attempt to fill the void and to become whole. And so the first kind of wholeness that we need to have is upward wholeness. Worship wholeness is the state of being unbroken and undamaged, the state of forming a complete harmonious whole, a unity, a completeness, a fullness. It's being restored from brokenness and emptiness and incompleteness. It's being fully restored. It's being resurrected. And that's what Easter is all about. Worship brings wholeness by filling your spirit with the transcendence. And, and God knows that he is our only hope to complete completeness and wholeness. And without him, we remain broken. We remain incomplete. We remain spiritually empty. We remain earthbound and three-dimensional. And that's one reason I think God is so jealous for our worship and he condemns idolatry so severely. Because if we're tied to this earth, we're not only earthbound, we're hellbound. But through genuine worship of the Almighty, we enter into a different realm where wholeness can begin. The realm of the Holy Spirit flowing through our lives. When you worship God, you become, you open up this channel. You're no longer a droplet of oil in the water. You open up this channel for the Holy Spirit to flow into your, into your heart. To experience wholeness in our lives, we need to first experience upward wholeness. And upward wholeness is peace with God. That's what Pastor Liz said next week, or last week. Uh, upward wholeness is peace with God. And peace with God, the pathway to peace with God was established through Jesus Christ on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. 
on Resurrection Day. Um, upward wholeness is peace with God and it's the fullness of his spirit within and flowing with his spirit. So to experience wholeness, our lives need to flow in worship to God. So I made an acrostic because I'm so well trained by Celebrate Recovery and they have acrostics for everything. And um, how do we flow in worship? Let's go through these. Letter F is for find your way to God. Find your way to God. You got to get to God first. You got to connect with him first. Okay. But it's not find your way to God. It's find the way to God. A lot of times we say, uh, yeah, I'm going to find my own way to God. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the real pandemic in our world is people trying to find their own way to God. I've got my way. You've got your way. I've got my way. Okay. Uh, my way is myself on the throne. I'm going to find my way to God that way. Or my way is I'm going to worship nature and that's my way to God. Or my way is uh, I'm going to do drugs and that's my way to God. I don't know. You know, we're going to find our own way to God. And, and, and Jesus comes along and he says, I am the way. Excuse me. I'm the way. Okay. Uh, well, how can Jesus say he's the only way to God? Just be thankful that there is a way to God that gets to God. Okay. Uh, God has made a way where there seems to be no way. He says, I am the way. Uh, Acts 4, 12 says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Peter was very clear about that. Okay, 1 Timothy 2 says, for there is one God, one mediator between God and man. One God and one mediator. Not two, not 10, not 20. One mediator between God and, and mankind who is that? The man Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom on the cross for all people. So the death and resurrection of Christ makes it possible for us to be reconciled with God, which is upward wholeness, okay? Uh, coming to Christ, finding the way to God means forgiveness, means reconciliation, it means adoption into his family, it means I become one of his, it means uh, uh, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, to become a child of God. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, our faith in Christ, our trust in him, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. How did I get into the grace of God to be saved, to have my sins forgiven? By putting my faith and trust in him. Let me give you four words that you can use today to receive Christ as your savior, or you can explain these to somebody else. Okay, maybe you've already done this and you probably perhaps have. Repent, believe, confess, receive. Repent, believe, confess, receive. Repent, we know what that means. That means turning away from sin. I'm sorry, I regret, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to commit these sins. I don't want to be far from God. I don't want to make him unhappy. I don't want to uh, thumb my nose at him anymore. I'm turning away from these things that are the kingdom of me, and I'm turning toward the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of God, and I want to be all about him. That's repentance, turning around. Okay, uh, repent, believe. I'm putting, and belief isn't just, yeah, 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 I believe in God. I believe he exists. I believe in the Easter bunny. Okay, I believe in Santa Claus. I believe they landed a man on the moon. Sure, I'm a believer. It's like, yes, yes, yes. I, I don't think there was a conspiracy about the moon, lunar landing, okay? But it's more than that. It's a belief that puts you on the rocket. It's a trust that seats you securely in Christ. He's what's my life. He is what my life is about now. It's not about my career. It's not even really about my family and legacy and, and that kind of thing. My life is about Jesus. And that's it. That's belief. That is trust. That's all sold out and committed. Okay. 
Um, confess. That means I go public and I confess him as my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. He is the boss. And I follow him. Okay? And then receive is that opening the heart up to him to all who received him. Uh, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. So you receive him. And that's what it's all about. Repent, believe, confess, receive is finding the way to Jesus. If you haven't done all four, by the way, repent, believe, confess, receive. If you haven't done all four, you haven't done any of them. I was kind of looking at that. It's like, yeah, you got to do all of them. They're all kind of a package. If you haven't done one, you haven't done all of them. So if you have not repented, you're not a Christian. How could you be? You know, all you've done is tack Jesus onto the edge of your life. That's what you've done. Or maybe you even tacked him here, but he's not in. Because there's no repentance. There's not any repentance. There's no genuine belief. Without genuine belief, there's no genuine uh, confession of him as Lord. He's not Lord. If, there's not, if he's not Lord and you, there's no belief, you haven't received him. Okay? So if you haven't done all four, you haven't done any of them. Uh, you're not a true worshiper of God in spirit and truth. God is looking for worshipers because he knows he is God and he knows that you're, he's his, your only hope. Okay? And so if you're not a worshiper of God, wholeness is outside your grasp and you can't have it. It's like plugging your toaster into a dummy outlet. It's like we have dummy outlets in the, in the uh, annex out here. Okay, the, the whole annex was wired for a different, different code. And then when we got a hold of it, we had to rewire it and put in different outlets because uh, the wiring had to go through conduit, blah, blah, blah. And so now we have these dead outlets that are just around on the walls. And you try to plug the TV into there, it's not going to do anything. And that's kind of like trying to follow Jesus without having done all four of these. So that's letter F. Letter L. Letter L is lose your idols. <laughs> You're not going to flow with the Spirit if you still have idols in your life. If you still have other things that you're hanging on to that compromise your walk with Christ. Eliminate spiritual compromise from your heart. Listen to James 4. He really, James uh, is kind of a tell it like it is, and I don't care if I hurt your feelings kind of guy. And, and uh, bless his heart, I, I do care if you hurt people's feelings. But um, James says, you adulterous people. A person who holds on to an idol is an also not just an idolater, but an adulterer. Okay? Because you're married to Christ you know, spiritually, right, in the spirit realm. And if you're holding on to other things, that's like cheating. Okay, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And so many of us want to have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of heaven. All right? And... Uh, or, or one foot in the kingdom of God, one foot in the kingdom of earth, or the kingdom of me. There you go. God and heaven, those are the same. And so, and, and we, we want to hold on to both. And it's like, uh, yeah, my, my life is really about my career, my advancement, or, or, uh, or my other belief that's not biblical. I want to hold on to that other belief that the scripture actually condemns somewhere. And so I'm going to hang on to that. I want to hang on to my own sexual ethics that kind of go along with the world's sexual ethics that I see on TV all the time. I want to hang on to that, okay? But I want Jesus tacked on, so I want him to bless it. Bless it, Jesus, bless it. Bless my idolatry. It's like, no, it ain't going to happen. You're not going to flow in the worship and you won't be whole if you're hanging on to idols. So he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? He longs for your spirit to be connected to him. But he gives us more grace. 
Praise God for that. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. In other words, repent, resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come near to God. He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Get the impurities out. I've been drinking a lot of water lately, trying to, I'm told you're not hydrated enough. You're not hydrated enough. You need more hydration. So I'm drinking water. I drink 169 ounces of water a day. It's terrible. What a sorry, poor excuse for Diet Coke. <laughs> but I drink purified water. Sam's Club told me it's purified water. It says it right on the bottle. Now I'm hoping what they mean by that is that everything that's not water is out. Right? And it's just water in there. That's purified water. It's been filtered out, taken out. Maybe they got tweezers and pulled it out. I don't know but it's purified. Um, and the same thing that James is saying is purify your hearts. Let it be one thing. Not one thing plus a little bunch of stuff tacked on. Okay? And he says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Don't have two ways of believing. Make it all about Jesus. Don't buy into two things. Uh, grieve, mourn, and wail. That's a repentance. Change your laughing to mourning. That's the repentance. Your joy to gloom. That's more repentance over our sins. Gloom over our sins. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Okay? So if you grieve and mourn and, and regret and repent of all the idols over here and sorry, God, for, for uh, having this, this junk in the closet and you turn over here, then he will lift you up, and now you can rejoice. The joy of the Lord is my strength, not the joy of my materialism. All right. A while back, and I put this in your notes, this little chart. I talked about kingdom living. So we're kind of almost kind of talking about the same thing now. But I, I talked about kingdom character, and I gave you this chart, and so here it is again. And, uh, and it's talking about children of the king versus children of the devil, and there's all these differences. In the mindset, and, and, and so I, I just wanted to delineate it to, to help us to see, and this isn't a complete list, okay? But in the mindset, in the heart set, in the direction, in the way of thinking and lifestyle of the child of the king, it's opposite or very different than the child of not the king, of the devil or of the earthly world or the kingdom of me, okay? Like the child of the king will say, well, sin is a bad thing. And the child of the devil will say, well, sin is fine. Sometimes it's even good. Everything fun is sinful after all, right? And then I was corrected last night. And, uh, and Carrie said, you know what? I think in the, in the world and the culture that we live in, sin's not even a thing. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as sin. I said, you know what, Carrie, you're right. I think, I think to, to use the word sin is probably the only sin in that culture. You know, to, to stand, have a moral standard, especially like in sexual ethics and morality, to, have, to hold to that standard that the Bible holds, that's the sin. To call anyone a sinner, that'd be the sin. Well, anyway, uh, to the child of the king, a sin is of great concern. To the child of the devil, don't worry about it. Child of the king, I'm striving for righteousness. Uh, in the culture, it's I'm striving for self-fulfillment. Uh, in the kingdom, I, I want to please God. In the culture, I want to please myself. In the kingdom, it's I want to be holy. In the, king, in the culture, it's I want to be happy. It's Jesus is Lord of all versus I'm my own boss. It's I worship God alone. alone. It's uh, as opposed to I worship all kinds of stuff. You know, money, sex, power, comfort, status, for, sports figures, celebrities, whoever. Uh, on one hand, it's I'm an ambassador for Christ's kingdom. On the other hand, it's I represent myself and my tribe. 
Uh, I'm alive to Christ versus dead to Christ. I gratify the spirit versus gratifying the flesh. It's following the thoughts of the spirit versus following the thoughts of the flesh. It's desiring what the spirit desires versus desiring what the flesh desires. It's living by grace as opposed to living by legalism or lawlessness, uh, depending on what you want to do. Spiritually discerning things of the Holy Spirit versus not even really comprehending things of the Holy Spirit. It's the person who can say, I'm a fool for Christ versus the one who says, I'm nobody's fool. It's the one who says lying is a sin, whereas lying is a very present help in time of need. <laughs> okay, when, when I sin, I need to quickly confess and repent. And on the other hand, or uh, versus uh, there's never a need to repent of anything because sin isn't a big deal or it's not a thing. Sin and righteousness are defined by God and translated by the Bible. That is a biblical Christian perspective. Sin and righteousness are defined by God and translated to us by the Bible. And that's what we go by. There's where you can really see where the rubber meets the road. See what separates the men from the boys here. Because on the other hand, in our culture, they say, well, good and evil or not good are defined really by the culture and personal preference. And they're translated to us by media by academia, by what, what is against the law or not against the law, whatever the law permits, uh, court decisions, and celebrities. They tell us what's good and bad. And it's like, no, 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 no. Lay down your idols. Lose them. Lose your idols. Let her row. Let her row is oxygenate frequently. Oxygenate frequently. I love that word, oxygenate. Um, this is what I mean by that. Uh, you know what oxygenation is? You know, like uh, when you breathe air, air comes into your lungs, and why do you need to breathe? Why do you need lungs? What do your lungs do with that air? It takes the oxygen and puts it into the blood, right? And then the blood, it carries the oxygen to the cells. And the cells, which is all, all of your body, live and function, okay? So oxygenation is kind of an important thing. You need oxygen to live, we all know that. And so you need oxygenation of your body to live. And if you're not very well oxygenated, then uh, bad things happen, okay? And you start to fade off. Um, catch up here. So your participation in public worship like this and in private worship on your own is the lungs of your walk with Christ. Okay, your participation in worship, your worshiping is like lungs to your walk with Christ. Uh, just as breathing oxygenates your blood through your lungs, worshiping God oxygenates your faith. When you participate and you are actively worshiping God, it's like oxygen to the soul. Okay? A lack of oxygenated blood in your body will cause you to feel faint and then nauseous and then sweaty and clammy and then lose consciousness. And if that goes on too long, what happens? You die. Now, I know most of this from experience. So I was giving plasma. And you know how they do it with giving plasma as opposed to giving blood? They pull the blood out. It goes through a machine, separates out the plasma, dumps the plasma in a bottle, puts the blood back in, right? so that you don't lose your red blood cells and all that good oxygen that's in your bloodstream, okay? And then it goes again, you know, it takes four minutes this way, four minutes that way, then it goes again, pulls out more blood, separates out the plasma, dumps it in a bottle, puts the red blood cells back in your arm. Well, this time, we were having troubles. Like I had too much fat in my filter, and, uh, and it was slow pumping for the return, and it wasn't coming in very good. 
and, uh, and there was a bubble on the line. And so it wasn't pumping because of the bubble. And then it tried to pull more out to, to correct it and then push more back in. And the, and the nurse or the phlebotomist comes over and she's dealing with the machine and trying to crank out the bubble and trying to, to get that cleared out. And finally, we got that cleared out. And then, and, then, uh, and then now it's a slow, hard push. It's not pushing through very well. And then, and they're looking at it and it's like, oh, we, you know, can't figure out what's wrong. And, and it's only doing like a quarter turn at a time and, and it's flipping back and forth and it's getting really slow and I'm going without red blood cells. And all of a sudden I say, I'm feeling faint. And they're going, oh, well, okay, uh, what we're going to do here. And it's like, now I'm feeling really faint. And it's like, and, uh, and then I was feeling nauseous. And I was so nauseous. I was afraid if I talked out loud, I was going to throw up. So I didn't say anything. And then apparently I lost consciousness for about three seconds <laughs> and, and came back and woke up and they're fanning me you know? <laughs> and I'm feeling all clammy and sweaty and, uh, and I thought, oh good, I didn't die, you know, it's like, and, I, and, and eventually the red blood cells started to come back into my body and I started feeling more awake and more alive and more and good and it's like and i started joking around with them it's like i'm glad you didn't have to carry me out with, on a stretcher and they're kind of like they're kind of like well you would have been the third one this year <laughs> what it's like if you're going to get plasma make sure you're ready to get plasma it's not a small thing to do and when when the when they got the red blood cells back in my body i came back alive okay i was refreshed I was rejuvenated, uh, felt whole again, <laughs> okay? And so worship is like restoring oxygenated blood to every cell of your body. It refreshes you spiritually. Look at Acts 3.19. Uh, Peter's preaching to the crowd and he says, repent now. Remember we talked about repent? Then and turn to God so that your sins will be wiped out and that times of refreshing they come from the Lord. You can be refreshed in the spirit if you oxygenate regularly. So worship, this act of worship, re-enlivens your soul. It brings you into an experience of closeness to God. That's what we're doing in worship. Okay? Uh, when a Christian worships, he's actually connecting with God on a personal level. Okay? When other religions worship, we're just kind of uh, um, offering obeyance and submission and subjection, and, uh, and almost I hope he doesn't notice me kind of thing, right? Keep my head down. Uh, whereas, a, uh, whereas when a Christian worship, he is communing with God. He is interacting with God. Jesus comes in, okay, and the Spirit flows. It brings you into an experience of closeness to God, and it reminds you that he is amazing, and he is glorious, and he is worthy to be praised. He is big. He brings you back in touch with his goodness and his power and his bigness, his ability to overcome any trial or problem that you're facing in your life right now. He's bigger than that, and that's what worship reminds you of. Worship puts your life back into perspective. God's up here, I'm down here. God is big, I'm small. God's in charge, I follow him. God is in control, I'm not in control. God is the provider and I'm well cared for. God is the protector and I am protected. It's all about God. My focus is on him, not on myself. That's worship. That's worship. Let me get it practical here. Some regular worship practices that you can work into your day and I listed them there in your notes uh, Pat and I did this online Bible study that was national. So it was a Zoom Bible study. So we're in there with 20 people or so. And uh, they're like a lot of other ministry leaders and but some lay people. And there was a professional Christian counselor in there too. And it was called uh, Emotionally Focused or Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And that's a book by Peter Schizero that you can get and go through. Uh, but this was a study uh, to be emotionally healthy. Uh, if you're not emotionally healthy, you're not spiritually healthy. And if you're not spiritually healthy, you won't be emotionally healthy. And so he kind of equates the two. And so I like the concept. So we took the class. And, uh, and, they, and one of the key pieces 
of attaining or getting to emotionally healthy spirituality is worship. And they, they suggested something that the contemplatives, the monks of, of, day old, of age old times, the Christian monks, they would practice what's called the daily office. And so they were recommending a daily office. And they said, do your devotions in the morning or in the evening, whenever you do it. But then a couple other times in the day, two or three times a day, do a daily office. And this is where you are silent for two minutes. You're just silent. And maybe you just kind of say in your mind, Jesus, or here I am, or uh, uh, Lord Jesus, come. Okay? And you're just meditating on Jesus. You're focusing on God. And listen. Just listen with your heart. Two minutes of silence. And then... They say do a devotional or a scripture or something and pray. Um, and then two more minutes of silence. And it slows your, slows your spirit down, creates a margin for God to work in your heart. Because worship is the pathway to wholeness. Okay? Something that I've started doing, I'm trying to, trying to get my act together physically, and so started working out a little bit and uh, my workouts are always boring. I just do an elliptical or go on a walk. I haven't done the walk lately because maybe today. And, um, and, uh, and so I listened to 30 minutes of praise music. Just 30 minutes while I'm doing my workout. Uh, I also need to do stretches. So if you do stretches like 30 minutes, listen, listen to, just get into some praise music. And focus on the music because you can do a workout or stretching or what else do I have? A walk or a shower without really thinking, you know, you don't have to really concentrate hard. It's not like you're writing something or trying to pay bills or something. You, uh, you can just do those things and listen to the praise music and let it soak in. I like Ron Canoli from the 80s uh, with his big, big choir and big band. And uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, just can't stop praising the Lord. I'm just can't stop praising the Lord. I'm never going to stop praising the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And then it just goes on and on and on. Can't stop praising the Lord. And it never does stop. I mean, it just kind of goes on and on like the song that never ends. And But boy, it's a blood pumper. And, um, and so 30 minutes of praise really focuses. It's a time of worship. Uh, singing hymns and praying songs to God in the car while driving. I'll bet you a bunch of you already do this. How many of you do this? Yeah, I knew it. And uh, what a great way to connect with God, right? Meditating on a psalm is good. Rehearsing the names of God. Look them up. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, uh, all those kinds of names and what they mean. <laughs> I haven't done a series on it lately. Uh, Pray through a scripture passage. Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. You provide for me. You make me lay down in green pastures. Thank you, God, for the green pastures. You compel me down the, the paths of righteousness. Oh, God, work righteousness into my life. You know, Psalm 23. Um, or play 20 blessings. This is a game I just made up. It's kind of like 20 questions, but it's 20 blessings, you know? And so come up with a list of 20 things that God has provided and thank them for them as you go. Make it a time of worship. What I'm saying is uh, anything you can do to lose yourself in the glory of God with your mind riveted on him and praise and adoration and worship will bring refreshment and renewal to your soul like oxygen in your blood. The psalmists were big time worshipers and I've got Psalm 84 parts of it there. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns even fates for the core. Uh, courts of God, uh, God's dwelling place and his house and his courts are symbolic of the experience of worshiping God, being in his presence. So whenever the Bible talks about the courts uh, or the dwelling place of God, that is connecting with him in worship. Uh, he says, my soul yearns and even faints. Uh, he says, 
in verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Those who walk by faith in God on pilgrimage, those whose strength is him. They go from strength to strength, oxygenating, okay? Last point. W is for witness. Witness openly. This is a part of worship. This is a part of your, this is a key piece that I think that we miss a lot. And, uh, and don't make the connection very easily. That if you share Jesus with somebody, if you tell them about Christ, uh, if you share your testimony or give them uh, repent, believe, confess, receive, if you, if you uh, uh, say, you know, God answered my prayer or I'm just thankful for where God has brought me, uh, there is a refreshment. There is a, there is a greater, deeper experience of your worship when it comes time to worship. Your oxygenation becomes even richer if you're out there witnessing. Okay, let me say this, uh, explain this a little more. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses. That power doesn't come on you just to bless your little heart. Okay? That power comes on you for a purpose, to be his witnesses. Right? And so you'll be my witnesses to other people in various parts of the world, locally and globally. Um, you know the, the Holy Land geography? And we've got the... Uh, we got the Jordan River, and then we got the Sea of Galilee, and then we got the Jordan River, and then we got the Dead Sea, right? It goes down into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is dead, okay? Meaning there's no fish, no plants living there. So it's just a big salt pool is what it is, and, and it's huge. But it's dead because it has no outlet. The water goes in and stays there and kind of evaporates, and, and there it is. The Sea of Galilee, on the other hand, you see stories in the Bible about them fishing and, and, uh, and making their living off of that lake. And that is still the case today. That, that lake teems with life. Okay? And the difference is, is that the Sea of Galilee pulls water in and pushes water out. It breathes. Okay? The Dead Sea just breathes in and water stagnates and becomes heavy and nothing can live there. You were made to flow in the Spirit through worship. And worship is like breathing. It's a key part of breathing is the exhale. If you never exhale, <laughs> you will die. All right. If you don't exhale, your body can't inhale to get more oxygen. And if you just inhale, you get a shot of oxygen, but then your blood uses all that oxygen and your cells start to shut down for lack of fresh oxygen. Your ability to receive fresh oxygen comes from the exhale. If you don't exhale, you'll suffocate. Expressing God's glory and grace and goodness to other people is your spiritual exhale. When you witness for Christ, you are increasing your ability to breathe in more of his spirit into your soul. And I just think of every mission team that I've ever observed or been part of. And these kids or young adults, and they're going to the field. You know, you went to New York, Georgian, and you go out and you do, you do your witness, right? And you're working in the kitchen, the, the, the soup kitchen, or, or you're doing like maybe street witnessing, you're just sharing Christ with people, or you're doing like a, a performance on, on the street to share the gospel with people. I remember when Pat and I were teenagers and we just started dating, we were on a choir tour and going around to churches and we were sharing the gospel through this little musical that our choir put together. And, uh, and then we would gather for private worship time and testimony. And it was so rich and powerful and meaningful. And it was like God was right there because we were on mission and we were sharing Jesus. If you're out there sharing Jesus, your worship in this room becomes glorious. It becomes so much more powerful because you're on the job. You're not just playing. You're doing it. Okay? You were made to flow in the Spirit 
through worship. If you waste spirit refreshing by not witnessing, you dampen the spirit's power to refresh you. Spirit power must be expended through witness to be renewed. And when you're engaged in witnessing, telling others about your walk with Christ or explaining the gospel or sharing your testimony or just expressing how thankful you are to God for his blessings or answers to prayer and how he's worked in your life and brought you to the place you are today. When you witness, you're worshiping and your times of public and private worship become supercharged like a fresh blood infusion. Your worship is deeper. It's more joyful. It's more meaningful because of the exhale. If you don't exhale, you'll suffocate. And I want to encourage you, flow in worship. Let your life flow with the Spirit. Finding Christ as your Lord and Savior, losing the idols, oxygenating frequently, and then sharing with others. Don't be afraid. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be His witness. Now, on the back page, of the sermon, oh God, I got this little inventory. I'm going to try to have one of these every week for this five weeks of upward, inward, outward, backward, forward. And um, I told you about a refocus retreat. Where we're going to try to laser focus our ministry to be come alongside people, walk with them toward wholeness in Christ. So this will be a wholeness in Christ inventory in five parts. And, uh, and so this inventory is upward wholeness. And so everybody that goes to the retreat, I'd like you to do this inventory. And I want to have, give you a questionnaire. And I want you to fast. So this is a commitment, you know, and it's a working retreat. Okay. And so, so uh, I hope you'll want to do it. But uh, you can do that. And uh, then you can total up your score. But I don't have like a, a scoring key. So I guess you interpret that for yourself. And, and decide what's my average here. Um, yeah, maybe I'll label those as one is no, four is very much so, and then two and three are in the middle. All right. Upward wholeness. Are you full and complete in him? Let's enter into a time of just praising and worshiping God. And let's relish in his presence. I know I, I preached a long time, but I want you to connect with Jesus and make this a time of God, fill me. Uh, oxygenate my soul, Lord. Oxygenate my soul. Help me to lay aside the idols. Get my foot out of the other world and be two feet planted in your kingdom, Lord. Let's stand. Ban, why don't you come up?